This is Oh Man Rolling Dice. Hey, it's Jeremy from Old Men Rolling Dice. As usual, with my buddy, my confidant, my better half, my Jiminy Cricket, Jason. I like that, Jiminy Cricket. That's nice. You could use the conscience. I've seen, I've seen some of your decisions. That's all. <laughs> I've thought of how many times you've gone. Maybe not the best choice. Maybe not the best choice. And that's why that's why I went with Jiminy Cricket. We're joined tonight by a familiar person to Old Men Rolling Dice. He's been on multiple episodes before. Or is this the second time you're back? It's Mr. Don Gates. Well, I don't know oh. why, but we always go Mr. Don Gates. We pull it right out. Yep. Don was with us last year. We talked about his books. Then was there not another episode you were back for? I I, I recorded a uh, a, a roleplay uh episode the cthulhu live play which i'm proud yeah. to say has entered our editing like process we are we will have cthulhu out before the summer i'm sure call it cthulhu a one shot i thought there was something else don was in with us we're happy to have you back well thank you it's good to be back <laughs> <laughs> so tonight today this morning whenever you're listening to us and the morning would be appropriate for the topic we're about to get. Morning would be exactly. maybe, maybe maybe a morning on the weekend. Maybe Saturday morning. Maybe which when as a kid was the best morning. Let me set the mood for you. It's Saturday morning. The sun is barely up. You have a bowl of your favorite cereal heaped so ridiculously high that your mother would uh, would swear. She might smack you. And you've gone to your family room. The TV has turned on, but it hasn't quite warmed up yet. So the picture is still a little fuzzy. And finally, your show begins. And, and usually, it was more than one show. You, you, were, you were buckling down for a morning of epic entertainment. So if you haven't guessed yet, we're going to be talking about Saturday morning cartoons. We're going to be talking about cartoons that in some way connected to our role-playing. There's probably some obvious choices that we haven't used here. So indulge us. We're, go we're going to... You might be sitting there screaming the show that, that you think we should be talking about, and maybe we're not going to, but I think we've picked some good ones. The criteria is it must be an animated show, it, and it must have been on TV in the 80s. Am I right? Did I miss anything? No, I think that no, I think we we hit all those criteria. So I mean, we could. The best part is setting the criteria after you established it. That way, yes. you know you meet it. <laughs> so so <laughs> Don, so Don has picked a show. Jason has picked a show. I have to be different, and I have two shows to talk about. But in all cases, this is one of the great things. In all cases. There is a tie to a role-playing game, and in all cases, it's a different role-playing game. That's true. It's not, and I think that's the really great part when you look back. I mean, not just the cartoons, but the games back then, and even the games now. Like, there's so many people talking about Dungeons and Dragons, but there's a lot of other great games out there, and there's a lot of other games that maybe we've forgotten about. And I think it's nice to sort of dredge them up again because I think at one point in time they brought us a level of happiness. Oh, immense happiness. I mean, I can't even explain to you. Saturday morning, you woke up, 
you didn't sleep in. There was no like, oh, well, I'll catch it on YouTube when I wake up or I'll stream it on Netflix. These, these were impossibilities. That, that was super science. <laughs> oh. oh, dude, you'll how many where, mornings? You'll see where I would go with that. Just, you know, like three feet from the floor model television, that slow hum, that it was almost like a static electricity coming off the screen, oh, was the highlight of my childhood. For and there sure. was always part of the television screen that wasn't quite getting, like the picture tube was not quite warmed up yet because it was cold. Yeah. It was the morning. And, you know, if, you're, if your dad was, a, was a, a, a stinger, he may have turned down the heat. And growing up in in Canada, for at least Jason and I, I think Don was further south by then. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Florida, Florida, Florida does not have the same kind of cold Saturday mornings that Canada does. No, uh, that picture tube took a little bit to warm up, and so you would have this heaven distorted for, color. Heaven forbid you were in the country and the rotary tower suddenly got oh seized with ice or something in the winter. Tower. We're going back. I'll bet you there's listeners oh, right now that have no idea what a rotary tower is. Oh my god, we're gonna have to do something about that, like just stuff from our childhood that people don't know about, like <laughs> rotary towers, Lauren Green's New Wilderness, like Mutual, New Coke, Mutual <laughs> of Omaha's Wild, Omaha's Kingdom. Wild Kingdom. Can you remember? Oh my god. Okay, for the long time, dude, I totally remember that. I didn't know Mutual of Omaha was an insurance company, and I did not realize they were sponsoring. I thought Mutual of Omaha was some sort of animal preserve. Like, I thought it was a safari. <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I actually would play outside. I'd be riding my bike, and I'm like, I'm with Mutual of Omaha, exploring the wilderness. I mean, yeah. What can I say? What can I say? Now I'm older, and I go, it's an insurance company, and they were advertising you, schmuck. That's what was going on. Okay. I okay. Think, I think we've rambled enough. Let's get to the topic at hand. Uh, okay. Jason's going to lead us off with his cartoon. I we're not going we're not going to say what it is because we want to we want you to experience the lead in. We're gonna build a little suspense here. And what we're doing here, I think, is we're gonna try and do this in chronological order yes. when they were released. And the reality is I'm the oldest of the old men here. My choice just slipped in to the eighties category. So this is this was my cartoon of choice, animated show, live action, land of the lost all the way. But if I had to go with the uh, animated show and it happened to work its way through the Hanna-Barbera cycle, I would be sitting around in my Star Wars pajamas waiting patiently for <clears throat> the year 1994. From outer space comes a runaway planet hurtling between the Earth and the moon, unleashing cosmic destruction. Man's civilization is cast in ruins. 2,000 years later, Earth is reborn. A strange new world rises from the old, a world of savagery, super science, and sorcery. But one man bursts his bonds to fight for justice. With his companions, Ukla the Mock and Princess Ariel, he pits his strength, his courage, and his fabulous sun sword against the forces of evil. He is Thundar the Barbarian. Yeah. If you have not... Yes. In Thunder the Barbarian, it took all the best parts of sort of the 70s and mixed them into this wonderful melting pot. And you had basically Conan with a lightsaber with Chewbacca 
traveling through a post-apocalyptic wasteland, it was as good as it could get. Can, can, we, you, just break down, can we just break down the opening for a moment? So it's oh, 1980 okay. when this cartoon comes out. They pitch 1994 as the end of the world. That's it. Like, Things are going bad. Is the, so far in the future that they are safe to tell children the world ends in 94 because no kid in 80 can see past 1990. Oh. Like, it's just not... Oh. That is the future. That is the... I, I just want to bring up that the opening for, for Thundar scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. I, two, really? two, two images stand out from that opening. And like, I know the one you're talking about. The, it was the, 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 the moon cracking in half. And then there's a shot. Isn't there a shot of a of like a an ocean liner marooned in a city street or oh, something like that? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, just I these the evocative things. Are you telling me there was you like a sorcerer summoning some sort of a demon? Yeah, the planet that yeah. passes by, sucking off the atmosphere. Ozone layer hole. Not even an issue anymore. We would love to have any ozone. I mean, generally, I'm <laughs> I'm not against sucking off anything, but sucking off the <laughs> atmosphere, like that is that's terrifying. That is something like that is spaceballs. She's gone from suck to blow. Never know how you're gonna get there, but you always find a way. I gotta be honest, I didn't see it coming. I get blindsided by this every time. Okay, so this show was immensely, immensely impactful on me. I, I was gaming sort of by the early 80s. The images from this show and the scene that it set up, this whole, it was a post-apocalyptic, but it's not dark. Like we're not talking, um, it's not the road or anything. It's 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 much more Planet of the Apes, right? You get a, a lot of gonzo stuff going the on. The road? Got, what kind of fucking obscure reference is that? So Cormac McCarthy, read a book, it's good for you. I'm just <laughs> saying that there's, really dystopian post-apocalyptic and then there's sort of that more fun and fantasy based your chewbacca sidekick ukla the mock very you're gonna go here very thundercat to me yeah i very didn't realize that until you talked about earlier and then it's like i kind of see it now yeah 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 there's a bit of a cat thing going on with him definitely 100 chewbacca because chewbacca oh, yeah. had the Ukla had a bow and arrow. That was his primary weapon. I mean, it's really one step up from the uh, laser crossbow. Yeah. Here's what's the interesting part. This didn't influence my Dungeons & Dragons game. I've never played a Barbarian. It's not something I'm interested in. It never touched me. But at the time, I I got into Dungeons & Dragons. I I had sort of the Arrow Otis box set. And uh, I had the original Trampier cover player's handbook. And we were going to the store again, and I had some money in my pocket. And you're like, I saw this box up on the wall, and I'm like, what is that? And it was like almost a direct correlation. And I'm like, I'm buying that, and I'm going to play it. I took it home, and I had purchased TSR's Gamma World. Yeah, Gamma World was this fantastically wonky sort of D&D-based game that had some really different, um, uh, some different sort of mechanics in it that I think are really things you're seeing sort of pop up nowadays. So beyond the fact that the gameplay itself was a little different, the, the artwork itself uh, inside was uh, Trampier, David Trampier. And um, so his black and white stuff, the, just the bold, um, the boldness of it, just shines throughout. There's, three, there's a picture of a, a group of bunny rabbits carrying machine guns out in the wasteland. Yeah. Just I think I know, the, I know the piece of art you're talking about. 
And it's almost pulled right out of a Thundar cartoon. Like you could have seen him like enter the the you know the village of the rabbit people and have to. Thundar is sort of science fantasy, and yeah. I mean we're not going to get into we're, this is one of the titles that maybe people would expect us to draw on, but we're not. He Man also had that science fantasy feel. Like you have weapons, but you also have a guy with a laser gun. Yeah. And I think it's kind of right. cool because... Well, it goes right back to Star Wars, I think. We just talked to Chris from Knights of Roleplay running a Spelljammer game with swords, with laser guns, with grenades. <laughs> yeah, Thundar is a great example of sort of that science-fantasy mix. Mix, yeah. right. Yeah, definitely. It was nice because it doesn't take anything off the table. The, the nice part is, that, like, you want to have a sword, have a sword. You want to have a laser gun, have a laser gun. You want to drive a motorbike, drive a motorbike. If you want a hover car, you can get a hover car. All this stuff that's at the back of the book that you don't normally get to use or all those things, you're like, that would be a great idea, but it doesn't fit. In Gamma World, you just make it fit. I'm going to be a raccoon with a hubcap shield and a laser pistol, and I'm going to drive a hover car. And you know what? We're, we're going out looking for McDonald's. Like, well, that's what's happening in this. In any good science fantasy, you have mutants like what you're talking about, uh, raccoons, yep. and what, what's our Chewbacca character again? Mock? Ookla. Ookla. Mock. Very passable in a setting like this because of mutation and... and well, and Thunder, there were and then we go back different to... monsters and that that were brought in from other dimensions because of this super right. science and sorcery and, combined. And sorcery. And then you get that sort of just that classic trope where you're going to have the witch, the sidekick, the, the, the female police. And, I mean, she's obviously an attractive character done in a proper 80s cartoon style. I remember being very passionate about catching this. And I don't know that it was, it was only on for a short period of time, like I think one, maybe two seasons. And I think with the Hanna-Barbera rotation sometimes back then, you weren't guaranteed to get specifically Thundar. It might be something else in that rotation. of So like when I did get it, it was a big deal, right? Like it was, it would be like, you would yell at your brothers, like, shut up. I need to hear this. Well, and would you, would you not agree? We, we're maybe going to touch on this. I know for Don's show specifically, <laughs> but my even your show, my show, the one of the big things about these cartoons in the '80s was their opening, uh, their opening track, their theme song, because that saved the animators so much time. Right? There is maybe three to five minutes of opening track uh, to recycle every week, but on top of that. If you were not at the TV, let's say you go and turn the TV on and go and get your snack, you hear that theme song. Do that run. Yeah. You're like kicking over Lego and Tinker Toys as you're running down the stairs that your mom told you not to put there. Kicking <laughs> over couches. You know, and, and to quote Thundar, Lords of Light. You would just <laughs> jump over the couch, right? Make yourself at home. There would be like frosted flakes everywhere. But it was yeah. okay because it was like, like I said, like a Naga hide sofa. It was like a fake leather. So the milk didn't even, it just rolled right off. The carpet, however, it's not good. Not good at all. Right. right. That's fantastic. That, that is my childhood memory of cartoons. And that is the game that definitely, it inspired me to buy Gamma World. It inspired me to play it. I ran a lot of Gamma World. I ran very little of it successfully at that age. It was a bit of a clunky system. And of course, um, were, I don't know, were Thundar the Barbarian toys available? Because one of the things that goes hand in hand with 80s cartoons is they had a toy line. So you watch the show to promote the toy and you buy the toys to promote the show. It was sort of a back and forth. So there was no toy line available then. But there is a line of collector's toys, I think, released in the early 2000s. 
uh, a set of three figures that are actually quite expensive on the secondary market right now. And they were gorgeous looking, like lots of articulation, very I well done. I think I just found um, But yeah, a, a lack of a lack of a toy line definitely probably seems odd, especially for anything that took place at well, that time. Well, this is our first 80s cartoon, and I'm not sure that it had caught on yet. Oh, that's possible. Like the whole, okay. if you have so a cartoon, it. you need a toy line. Thunder the yeah, Barbarian. That, 1980. Thunder 1980. And if anyone's interested, I, I just, I this this is just something that I'm always curious about and I get a kick out of. So if you go on to IMDB, they rate Thunder at seven and a half. Which quite frankly is solid. I mean, when you consider oh. the movies we were, the movies that we had in our movie episode, there were a number of them below six. Look, are you looking specifically at me? Is this about? Are we going to judge up Hawk the Slayer again? Because I, I didn't say Hawk the Slayer. I, uh, I, still <laughs> I didn't under, say Hawk the Slayer. I'm just saying there, he he may have been underrated on the uh, that particular site. I'll give you that. But, I'll give you that. Either way, I would like to pass it on to the next person along the, the timeline. The next line. person along but is me. Once again. The next person along is me, there and my go. show is in 1983. And this is a bit on the nose. I understand that. But I have chosen the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. I know it has some haters, but I'm going to tell you something. I was not one of them. I mean, for me, uh, when this show came out, I would have been about 12, 13. Uh, I was playing Dungeons & Dragons, and... This was, uh, you know, this was an opportunity for my geekdom to be put on TV, uh, and uh, I, just, I just ate that up. I just ate that up. The characters were fantastic. We have we have an actual depiction of Tiamat. I love the Dungeon Master. Not a villain, but I love the Dungeon Master. I got a lot of laughs out of him. My favorite thing is how he always just fucking disappears. Uh, he he was like he was like a D and D pokeroo. He's he's well never, done. Nice reference. He's never there afterwards. <laughs> villain wise, we have Venger, a great villain, in my opinion. Uh, a little bit terrifying for a young kid. Not I. I'm not saying I was scared. I'm not saying I was scared. I'm just saying. I want to be clear on that. I, I wasn't scared of Venger. Uh, <laughs> another villain, uh, Venger's assistant, Shadow Demon. Shadow Demon pulled right out of the pages of Monster Manual 2, incidentally. Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Monster Manual 2. First edition. Out he comes. And War Duke. War Duke has a huge oh, fan. You know what, I, like War I still War Duke action figure. You still. Have, you have a War Duke action figure? <laughs> I do, yeah. He is like, like the Boba Fett of the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. He was. You realize there's a movement online called War Duke Wednesdays. Like, people post on Instagram... Yep. <laughs> a picture every Wednesday of Warduke. He's yep. badass. His oh, helmet, his shield, his sword. It was, a, it was a great line of toys, actually. Really mm. was, too. Yeah, but you know what? It was interesting. That that Dungeons & Dragons line of toys was not linked to the cartoon on TV. With the exception no. of the Warduke character. He was only in like one or two episodes, I think. And that yes. was it. He was in just a couple episodes. But like there was a whole bunch of D&D toys that came out. But mm. none of the heroes from uh, the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, like Hank. and I mean, that was, the, that was the other great thing. I mean, everybody wants Hank's. If you play Dungeons & Dragons and you're a ranger or an archer, you want Hank's bow. You want that energy bow. Oh, it's insane. Amazing. It's insane. 
Okay, you can have any one of those items except Hank's bow. Which one do you want? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> so as, soon, as soon as you take the top ranked item out, it suddenly gets a little messy there. I mean, Frank's bow, uh, Frank, Hank's bow was pretty, was pretty cool. So to, I don't know. Yeah. Sheila's cloak. Yeah. The yeah. invisibility cloak. Same here. That was pretty good. For Dungeons and Dragons character though, maybe it's a toss up between Sheila's cloak and uh, Eric's shield. If you're, yeah. we've talked about the fact that Eric moved up in ranking for me because when researching this and I realized he is voiced by Happy Days actor. I actually don't know the actor's name off the top of my head, but he played Ralph the Mouse. Don, Don Mouse. There we go. Uh, finding that out pushed him up my list. I'm like, he's suddenly a whole lot. Yeah, there's a lot of tie-ins. A lot of those voice actors were con- Don Most. Is that what we said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of those actors, yep. uh, voice actors were known for so, uh, other things in the... Enough, I think. Yeah if, yeah, if you start going through their names... Yeah, yeah. Adam Ritchie uh, from 8 is Enough played... Uh, did he, Was he Bobby? I think he was... Bobby. And then Hank was played... Hank, Hank was uh, also from 8 is Enough. Yeah, it's Willie Ames, I think. Yes, yeah, Willie. That's right, Willie Ames. That's who it is. I think you and I just watched the same video on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's why you're doing better than me. I didn't watch it sober. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cheers. If you can get a copy of it, I I happen to have this. If you can get a copy of it, the um, the box set for Dungeons and Dragons the cartoon, the the DVD box set. Uh, in the back of the box set, there's a book. And that gives you third edition character sheets for all the heroes from uh, the cartoon. That's cool. And a few mini adventures to run them through. That's cool. That's really cool. Which is kind of, which was kind of neat. When I got it, I was like, hey, I had no idea this was in here. I- interesting to note that, that, that some of the characters were actually like really specialized characters from first edition. For example, uh, Diana, the acrobat. Acrobat is a class out of Unearthed Arcana. She's not even in... Uh, Bobby, mm-hmm. the same, the Barbarian, Unearthed Arcana. Those two classes had made quite an impact on the game, I remember, when they came out. And I don't think this is still first edition Dungeons & Dragons. That's out Cavalier there. would have been the same thing, too, right? I mean, oh, Eric right. Cavalier was, was Unearthed Arcana as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah so right. It's almost a, it's a 50-50 classes. split. I think that's all the Unearthed Arcana. I think it might. Everything I can think of. Yeah. Barbarian, Acrobat, and Cavalier. Interesting that they call... Eric a cavalier and he never has a horse. Yeah. One last thing I'd like to talk about from the D and D cartoon, uh, bullywugs. Bullywugs made a big. They were they were a constant bad guy in the D and D cartoons. I use them all the time in D and D because of my love of the cartoon. They make great great bad guys. If you haven't used a bullywug, use bullywugs. They're great for low level characters. Instead of throwing them against goblins, hobgoblins, orcs, uh, have a swamp nearby. Have a bullywug lair in it. Big dragon. Uh, so the villains were great. I've, I've reskinned, like I've had Venger like villains, Warduke like villains. Uh, and it all comes back to just my love of that show and growing up with it. And, uh, even the, and I don't know if you saw it, which car company was it that did the commercial? They did a commercial and brought all these characters back as live action. Have you seen the commercial? I, I have not seen this. Wow. Are you talking like recently? Yes. Okay. Like a foreign 
like a like in another country or something? Like I feel like we'd hear about this if it was over in North America. <laughs> it, it is a foreign car. Hold on a second. I okay. I don't I, I don't have TV, so I don't get commercials. And it's for uh, what kind of car is it for? I've got the commercial right here. They do Venger in the commercial. They do uh, all the kids in the commercial, and they use this new car. Presto pulls the car out of the hat, and they drive the car to get away. And they actually, in the commercial, make it back to the real world. Oh, that's cool. Which never happened in the cartoon, right? They got canceled before they but ever then they even that. cliffhang the commercial in the real world where there's a mounted police officer whose eyes glow just like Venger at the end. Oh, cool. Mm. I'm trying to remember the car that it's for. If you search Dungeons and Dragons cartoon car commercial on Google, you'll get it. And they couldn't have found better actors to stand in for the different characters. I will send you guys the link for this commercial. Okay. And like I said, it was nice to just visually see things sort of for the first time on TV that you knew about, but maybe other people didn't, right? Like you had read these books, you had played these modules, and now... There was a cartoon representation Saturday morning on, and you're like, I already know that's Harry the Halfling. Like, I know, I know what that is. I and and just see representations of certain monsters, maybe that people weren't aware of. I was I was on the other side of that fence. I didn't play D and D. I'm not a grognard. I didn't play D and D until about three or four or five years ago. But I was like, what is D and D? And I was watching the cartoon and going, okay, so this is this is how it works this is fantasy and yeah i'm not little... sure that it holds up well in those <laughs> under that scrutiny if someone no. doesn't know what dungeons and dragons is and looks at that cartoon they go this is ridiculous no but at least it was like trust me i i was i was a, a victim of the satanic panic so any kind of i was interested in D, so any kind of lore or information whatsoever that would come my way i was interested in getting it so <laughs> It's true, because at that point in time, we weren't talking about internet. Or I mean, if you were living somewhere and you didn't know somebody who had the books and there wasn't a store available to you, there, it's not like there was another medium out there where there was any information coming to you. Oh, yeah. Anyway, let's, <laughs> let's keep moving right along here. So this is, oh, and incidentally, Dungeons and Dragons received by IMDb, I think, an 8. An 8 out of 10. So take, take it as you will. Take it as you yeah. will. Better than better than any marks either of us got in school. So I mean, that's solid. That's solid. That is solid. So now we're going we're going from uh, th- this is 1983. We're now going to jump ahead to 1986 to Dawn's Choice. So the show that I picked uh, is kind of a little uh, lesser known show. It's something called The Inhumanoids or just Inhumanoids. Uh, it debuted in 1986 and it was definitely a a product of the the toyetic 80s where they every every show had it was promoting a, a toy um you it was very rare to see a toy without a show and vice versa um again humanoids came from the same people that made transformers and gi joe and gem and the holograms and it actually was part of a shared universe but i won't get into that the uh <laughs> it was uh, you mean marvel didn't do it first no, no, it was it was very minor. But if you watch GI Joe, Transformers, Gem, and in Humanoids, you'll see the same Geraldo Rivera esque newscaster. 
in in all sorts of scenes like where somebody's watching tv and stuff like that and then there was actually a member of gi joe in the inhumanoids apparently toward the end of thing that's awesome Uh, yeah that's awesome it really goes back to that uh conversation we had the other week with spell jammers like just taking multi-universes and just creating just touching them like okay you can still cross over but it's not it's, it's an independent universe on its own but right know, it's all under the same umbrella yeah it's, i had no idea that's awesome yeah it's, it's as wide as you choose to make it in that moment i like it you know it's it's a shared universe but not really <laughs> um in humanoids was a show about a bunch of giant monsters they were the inhumanoids of the title they were uh, discovered uh, kind of imprisoned in various means uh, one was trapped in amber one was in a in an underground like a deep subterranean lair uh, and it was these giant creatures were breaking free of their bonds and uh, taking to the to the world and trying to grind it under their heels and you know, there was uh, war and colossal monsters and cult-like worship. Um, in one episode, a character was swallowed whole and nearly digested alive inside a creature's a creature with a transparent belly. The undead was uh, was frequently in the show. One of the one of the creatures was this thing called De- decompose, and he looked kind of like a dinosaur with a bird skull for a head, but he was, he was rotting. And his ability or magic or whatever was he could touch living creatures and basically just transform them into instantly into undead creatures, sometimes even two or three times their original height. So he basically could command a zombie army. Uh, The other creatures, there was Tendril, who was a bit like a plant-based Cthulhu-type monster. And then there was Metlar, who basically looks like a, a bit of a devil. He looks a lot like a, a demonic character. You know, now that you say it, that green one, uh, I didn't realize he was plant-based. And now he's got a, not only does he have a bit of a Cthulhu thing going on, he's got a swamp <laughs> thing going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. A swamp thing. Th- this is yeah. what struck me about this show. Because I, rem- when Don said, hey, I'm going to do Inhumanoids, I was like, what the hell is Inhumanoids? But the moment yeah. I saw it, I remembered it. Like the, it was just one of these, like, oh yeah, and yeah. it's interesting that this show—it's called the Inhumanoids. The story, though, I mean, in Dungeons and Dragons, you and in uh, Thunder, Thunder the Barbarian, uh, you're sort of getting these. Uh, we're talking about the good guys, right? It's it's always <laughs> the good guys, and Inhumanoids—they're the bad guys. Like the what was the. What was the team that they, the, the good there, guy team? Yeah, the good guys was basically they were Earth Corps. Earth, Earth Corps, yeah. The they Earth were, they, yeah, they were a bunch of scientists and engineers and uh, basically just brain types, uh, spelunkers, cave explorers. But they wore exosuits that kind of had these built-in. They, they weren't necessarily weapons. They were mining gear and mining gears and, and things like that that they would use as weapons you're, you're gonna love this a dr herman herc armstrong that's right code name <laughs> hooker <laughs> i know right <laughs> <laughs> dr edward the fist code name oh, auger <laughs> wait did he wait was his his nickname was the fist 
Dr. Edward, and in quotes, the fifth O-Gutter. Codename Augur, a bald-headed member of the team, a distinguished archaeologist, and Earth Corps rep- uh, resident mechanic. Yeah. Well, and they, they you go know. on and on. Liquidator, Navigator, Tank Master, Saber Jet. And I seem to recall, so when I was doing my research, it turns out they couldn't sell these toys. All they could sell were the monsters. Yeah, I I actually have a couple of the Earth Corps figures. Uh, I think one of the big things that people didn't, they, they, they didn't pose worth a damn. They had five points of articulation. And then it, you could take the exosuit helmet off and they made it. They made the figure's head underneath in scale because you know he's going to be smaller than the bu- big bulky mechanical suit that he's wearing. But it made it look hilarious because there's basically it, it, like a pea sitting on top of this like bulked up character with this tiny little head up top. It was pretty laughable. Well, the toys, the, thing, the monsters were made to scale. They were big toys. They they were big toys. They were. I I I never had them personally. I did have. There was another race of creatures in the show that were kind of like good, good creatures. They were all element based. Uh, they were plant creatures and rock creatures, and one guy that was magnetic and made up of fire and ice in some way. I had a few of those characters, uh, and they were like smaller. They were a little bit, I don't know, bigger than a than a He-Man doll, I guess, but uh, or action figure. Pardon me, but yeah, they, they the, the toys were cool, but they 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 weren't great and without the great toys and i don't know they just it failed it was it was a failed show but what's neat is in hindsight it's so lovecraftian that i i didn't i I didn't know lovecraft at the time but when i got older and i started reading lovecraft and started learning like called cthulhu and things like that i started realizing geez this was Cthulhu for Cthids, you know. This was <laughs> if, if you t- if you take uh, if you were playing in a Cthulhu story where a bunch of cultists were trying to release some monster that's buried deep in the earth from Earth's ancient times, you're playing mm-hmm. a Cthulhu story. Mm-hmm. You couldn't ask for much more. Maybe super science, or yeah, <laughs> sorcery. I love yeah. super science and sorcery for Thunder. That's my favorite. Kind of interesting how they keep trying to maybe try to reboot the, the 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 property sneak it into things but then they don't do anything to back it. i just think it's interesting that the monsters played such a central role as opposed mm-hmm. to the heroes but here we have like these three inhumanoid monsters that uh take sort of center stage and i feel like you almost root for the monster in this case which is an interesting like yeah, you want Hooker to lose. Are you I, telling I, me you're not rooting for Hooker and the Fist? Is, <laughs> is, that, is that correct? I just want to make sure we're establishing that. But, uh, that that's not the side you're on. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what I should get on my other ass cheek: the Dungeon Master <laughs> and the Fist. Remember when we talked about bad choices? Thanks, Remember Jiminy. that? Thanks, Jiminy. <laughs> Jiminy. Anything else? Yeah. Anything like? I can definitely see the Call of Cthulhu influence here. Even, Absolutely. Like once you start really taking an adult look at these uh, monsters and humanoids, the mm-hmm. li- the link to Cthulhu and uh, not Cthulhu himself, but Lovecraftian. Right. 
right they, and they couldn't beat those monsters if they wanted to no no and there was and it even extended somewhat to, you know in, in lovecraft there's always uh you know humans that are trying to uh, you know facilitate their return to the to the world and in in humanoids there was this there, there was a, a a guy he was uh, he, he was a big business like a t- oil tycoon or something and he was trying to bring them back and he was he, he discovered cults that worshiped them in ancient times and things like that it's all very 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 lovecraftian and just kind of snuck onto saturday mornings um I, I don't know how people didn't really notice the weird stuff their kids were watching but yeah <laughs> it was it was it was cool Are you have something else you would like to talk about yet don't you i do I have believe one you had an like awful mention i do have one oh how's that you know, how's that what how's the imdb rating for inhumanoids oh inhumanoids let's do that yes inhumanoids imdb rating absolutely 7.5 7.5 8 and 7.5 that's all pretty good uh so our last pick here and this is this is the date on this is 80 85 so we're, we're a little out of chronological order the, the reason that we're putting this one on the end, though, is that it's not really magic or uh, fantasy-based. Uh, this is a sci- what I would call science fiction, a science fiction fantasy, I suppose. Yeah. But my, my, the last one that I want to talk about is Robotech. And Robotech mm-hmm. came out uh, in 85, and it really changed, for me as a kid, what a cartoon could be. This is probably my first introduction to Japanese anime of any kind. Mm-hmm. We have big mech robots and unlike every other cartoon that I had watched, which was episodic, Robotech had a, uh, a continuity. So one mm-hmm. episode led to the next episode, led to the next one. I, I, as a kid, I would call it, it's, I would say it's like a soap opera. Yeah, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. So I watched this cartoon, and the the um, the dialogue in it, for me at the time, you know, a young teen seemed very grown up, and uh, I thought that uh, you know there there was relationships building, and this was this was this is all important for where I'm going here with this. So then I get a hold of a role-playing game by Palladium, uh, Palladium Studios named after this cartoon that I've been watching a little bit of, Robotech. <laughs> this was my first non-Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game. And Robotech was, for me as a kid, an amazing system that let me enter that world of that cartoon... And I could take all the story elements from the cartoon and bring it into my role-playing game. When I had been playing Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, Dungeons and Dragons was very episodic too. I didn't play big campaigns. It was like, are we getting together to play D&D this weekend? Yes. Stuart has a dungeon he wants to run. Colin has read a module he wants to run. Uh, I have this great idea for this adventure I want to run. So we would get together, what level characters are we building? We would roll up some characters, and we would play the adventure, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily come back to it. 
Robotech was that first game that in order for me to establish what I'd watched in the cartoons, I had to create a like a campaign feel where one story led into the next story led into the next story. So that's why I wanted to add it to this list was unlike the other things that sort of just sparked my mind, Robotech kind of taught me how to build a campaign, how to how to have a story that lasts more than just one episode, lasts more than one weekend. And mm-hmm. uh, and we played we played the heck out of Robotech. You know, we'd been playing Dungeons and Dragons for maybe two or three years, maybe four years, and this was our opportunity to step out of it. And not only step out of it from sort of a material standpoint, but also just step out of it on how we were playing role-playing games. That we were going to go from playing uh, episodic to a campaign. And Robotech was was there. Like, it was... And it was very soap opery. We, I can even remember, this was my first attempt to to run a uh, an adventure or a storyline that had no combat in it. It was strictly a we're going to try to develop our relationships with characters in this. It Robotech was a huge opportunity for me to grow as a as a D, as, as a role player. I was going to say as a D and D player, and I suppose that's true. But as a role player in general, so. I mean, anime's, anime's everywhere now. And this was yeah. sort of... I don't know if this was the first anime. I don't think so, because I think... I remember seeing Battle of the Planets. I was going to say, Battle of the Planets is maybe... That was G-Force. the first one I remember seeing. G-Force, absolutely. was the first time I remember seeing it, personally. Mm-hmm. What a great show, though, that was. Robotech. Yeah, I had I had a blast watching it. I, I, And it was so different than all the other cartoons I had been watching. Yeah, the first character death I ever saw in a cartoon was on Robotech. It kind of blew me away at the time. Mm-hmm. My favorite, my favorite character, Roy Foker. Roy the Foker. Guy, yeah, he he. It was it was a hell of a death. He sat on the couch and strummed his guitar while his fiance made dinner, and then just fell forward. And then we see a big hole in his back. Well, actually, it was blood. But I'm sure that all three of us had a really tough time narrowing this down. I mean, I don't know how much some of our choices directly influenced our gaming, but there were definitely cartoons from our childhood that are near and dear to us. I'm, what, what, what was, I mean, we all picked number one or number two on the list. What, what was number two? What was number three? What was number four? Um, and if, if this ends up not being edited, if somebody's listening to it and you're like, hey, I would love to hear a discussion about some of these other ones you've mentioned, leave a comment. Like, uh, let us know. You're like, hey, I, I enjoyed this. And if you guys, you guys mentioned two or three other um, shows I would love to hear a discussion about, then, then say something, okay? Give us a follow. Uh, and give us a shout out somewhere. Um, for me, we might and I was a hand of our We might even pull you into the show to talk about it. Oh, dude, you never know. You never know. We're, <laughs> we're very flexible that way. I was a hand of our bird kid. I was, I'm a little older, like I said. For me, the other one that was on my radar a lot, the Herculoids. I almost said it in humanoids. I'm like, wait a minute, we already did that one. The Herculoids <laughs> was another one that I remember when it came to the rotation. It was a special morning for me. I watched Space Ghost. I, I do remember watching quite a bit of the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon that uh, Jeremy talked about. Uh, but in terms of other cartoons that I was like, well, maybe something I could talk about that maybe people don't remember or have forgotten about. Um, I've spoken to a couple other people recently too about the specific topic. And it's funny when you talk to people about the things they remember and you're like I, for, I i talked to a dungeon master and he was like dude i remember like pulling so many plot lines out of disney's the gummy bears he's like it was all medieval set he's like there was a couple of great villains 
there was a couple of really neat plot twists. He's like, you won't believe how many times I've sat down at a table of grown men and I have pulled out like an NPC, Flint Westwood from the Gummy Bears and used him. <laughs> and he's like, and nobody knows. It is brilliant that way. I once had an NPC uh, who was a modeled from Gummy Bears, big half ogre dummy and na- and his leader was Duke so-and-so, and he called him Dookie. And Dookie was a line right out of the gummy bear. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. I'm saying there was a yep. lot of really neat things that we kind of sort of forget, or you don't think of it sort of being in that canon. Yeah. But we were, we were, the beauty of doing what we do is you get to cherry pick. You get to go back in time, look at these things and go, maybe this whole thing isn't something I'm interested in, but there's a piece right here. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say Gummy Bears had a great theme song. Uh, Gummy Bears? I'm not yeah. saying, never mind. I like, yeah, Visionaries was going to be my second choice. It uh, it wasn't a show that I was a giant fan of. Uh, and I mean, and I like the toys and everything, but it was the first time that magic had really, really played a part in any kind of universe that I was interested in or any property. And I, it took me forever to really understand or get quote unquote magic to understand like what, what it's supposed to do in plots, I guess. And, and, and that was a, a, a big moment for me kind of, because it was very central to the plot and it was, uh, it was kind of a neat show. So obviously He-Man is one that I struggled with whether to use or not. And I just thought if we do this again, I'll come back to He-Man. Because Skeletor, Skeletor is such a great villain. Everybody yeah. built a lich and made it be like Skeletor at some point. It, it just happened. Uh, some other uh, Saturday morning uh, cartoons that I would say uh, were of influence to my gaming. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. My beloved Palladium that made Robotech also made a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle role-playing game. And they went hand, they went hand in hand. I think it's really great that we picked sort of uh, a collection of movies. And I mean, and sorry, television shows, cartoons specifically, because I mean, I think it's great to remember things that you've forgotten or maybe hear about things that you didn't really know about. But I think it was the neat part about this was the fact that it touched on so much more than just Dungeons and Dragons. I think the fact that it, it, it kind of expands the fact that there's a lot more gaming out there that's available and there's a lot of influence there. Right. And I think that anything that gets somebody even, I'm not saying play a different system, but there's little bits and pieces, just like the cartoons, there's bits and pieces in all those systems you can pull out that, that maybe uh, maybe doing a little home brewing or maybe trying to look for something to spice up your table. There's a lot of stuff out there to use for inspiration that can maybe uh, maybe up your game or throw, throw a nod to your players to give them a twist they didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Especially if you can pull sort of an homage to a, a great cartoon that you enjoyed. I don't know how well they all stand up. If you went back now, I don't know that you could sit through the, but at the time they were pretty awesome. I tried to watch the GI Joe recently and one of the early ones and Cobra was trying to stop a a shuttle launch by throwing a giant net over the shuttle as it launched off the, off the pad. And when I saw that, I'm like, I I can't do this. (laughs) I can't. You've jumped the shark. You've jumped the shark. <laughs> I've you, gone you back can, far. <laughs> you can slingshot a goblin village, but you can't throw a net 
over a space shuttle? I'm I'm sorry. I'm not sure where the difference is there. <laughs> oh, don't bring that up. It's just the single greatest moment of my life at a gaming table. Is it really? As a DM, that was probably my favorite moment as a DM, watching you guys and just thinking, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. I remember being a player thinking, we're not really going to do this. We're not really going to do this. Like, this is a horrible idea. Uh, no, we're in. Cut the rope. Cut the rope. Send the camp flying. Well, thank you again for listening to uh, Old Men Rolling Dice. If you haven't had a chance to check them out, please check out Knights of Roleplay. It's become sort of like our brother our brother podcast. We, we have no control over that podcast, but we really identify with the people over there. And we had a great time right. with Chris. So if I'm you- hoping to maybe do something again with them because it really felt... And I, I don't even know if I want to stop there. It, we've talked a lot about community building in the last while and just reaching out to other people who are doing what we're doing here mm-hmm. and some of them much better than what we're doing. I'm not uh, judging ourselves at all. It, it's nice to reach out to people in the community and realize that you're not alone and you have the same questions and always, always a pleasure to speak to somebody who's passionate about the same thing that you're passionate about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's always great to be able to geek out with someone that knows your geekdom. Yeah, for real. When you speak that language, it's like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> the secret handshake, so to speak, eh? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Hopefully tomorrow's not 1994 and the world comes to a screeching end. I think sometimes with all the crap going on, it feels that way. <laughs> We've talked about that a lot too. The, the, the great part about doing this is, yeah, the world's crap right now. And, and a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff. It's the little silver linings. It's the little, the little spots of light you can find that sort of carry you through from one day to the next. And, and just getting together and speaking with friends, even if it's remotely. And, um, and talking not, about something that brings you joy, it, it, it's therapeutic. This is a good thing. Not to get mm-hmm. too, too cheesy, I think, some of, I think some of the shows we talked about are little points of light from our past that we're just kind of mm-hmm. pulling forward to, uh, to you know, build a bridge, draw an analogy. Mm-hmm. So that wraps it for this episode. As always, we're going to end... Oh, Jason's saying no. I, there, oh, wait, I think we wait, wait. We there's more. Our traditional ending. Yeah, we have a guest here tonight. It only makes sense to me that our guest gets to sign us off. Do, I mean, does Don know our sign off? Good night, Dick. I think he just did it. Good night, Dick. <laughs>